chapter six of yon of the windmill this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit librivox dot org yon of the windmill by juliana horatia ewing chapter six george goes courting george as an enemy george as a friend abel plays schoolmaster the love letter moedike the miller moth an ancient ditty one day george sannel asked and obtained leave for a holiday on the morning in question he dressed himself in the cleanest of smocks greased his boots stuck a bloody warrior or dark-coloured wallflower in his bosom put a neatly folded clean cotton handkerchief into his pocket which even if he did not use it was a piece of striking dandyism and scrubbed his honest face to such a point of cleanliness that mrs lake was almost constrained to remark that she thought he must be going courting george did not blush he never blushed but he looked voolish enough to warrant the suspicion that his errand was a tender one and he had no other reason to give for his spruce appearance it was perhaps in his confusion that he managed to convey a mistaken notion of the place to which he was going to mrs lake she was under the impression that he went to the neighbouring town whereas he went to one in an exactly opposite direction and some miles farther away he went to the bank too which seems an unlikely place for tender tryst but george's proceedings were apt to be less direct than the simplicity of his looks and speech would have led a stranger to suppose when he reached home the windmiller and his family were going to bed for the night was still and the mill idle george betook himself at once to where his truckle bed stood in the round-house and proceeded to light his mill candlestick which was stuck into the wall from the chink into which it was stuck he then counted seven bricks downwards and the seventh yielded to a slight effort and came out it was the door so to speak of a hole in the wall of the mill from which he drew a morocco-bound pocket-book after an uneasy glance over his shoulder to make sure that the long dark shadow which stretched from his own heels and shifted with the draught in which the candle flared was not the windmiller creeping up behind him he took the letter out of the book and held it to the light as if to read it but he never turned the page and at last replaced it with a sigh then he put the pocket-book back into the hole and pushed in after it his handkerchief which was tied round something which chinked as he pressed it in then he replaced the brick and went to bed he said nothing about the bank in the morning nor about the hole in the mill-wall and he parried mrs lake's questions with gawky grins and well-assumed bashfulness abel overheard his mother's jokes on the subject of gearge's young ooman and they recurred to him when he and george formed a curious alliance which demands explanation it was not solely because the windmiller looked favourably upon the little jan that he and abel were now allowed to wander in the business parts of the windmill 
when they could not be out of doors to an extent never before permitted to the children part of the change was due to a change in the miller's man however childlike in some respects himself george was not fond of children and he had hitherto seemed to have a particular spite against abel he quite as often as the miller would drive the boy from the round house and thwart his fancy for climbing the ladders to see the processes of the different floors abel would have been happy for hours together watching the great stoned grind or the corn poured by golden showers into the hopper on its way to the stones below many a time had he crept up and hidden himself behind a sack but george seemed to have an impish ingenuity in discovering his hiding-places and would drive him out as a dog worries a cat crying come out thee little varmint master lake he don't allow thee hereabouts the cleverness of the miller's man in discovering poor abel's retreats probably arose from the fact that he had so rooted a dislike for the routine work of his daily duties that he would rather employ himself about the mill in any way than by attending to the mill business and that his idleness and stupidity over work were only equalled by his industry and shrewdness in mischief poor abel had a dread of the great gawky mischievous-looking man which probably prevented his complaining to his mother of many a sly pinch and buffet which he endured from him and george took some pains to keep up this wholesome awe of himself by vague and terrifying speeches and by a trick of what he called dropping on poor abel in the dusk with hideous grimaces and uncouth sounds he once came thus upon abel in an upper floor and the boy fled from him so hastily that he caught his foot in the ladder and fell headlong though it must have been quite uncertain for some moments whether abel had not broken his neck the miller's man displayed no anxiety he only clapped his hands upon his knees in a sort of uncouth ecstasy of spite saying down a comes blump like a twode from roost ha 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 happily abel fell with little more damage to himself than the mill-cats experienced in many such a tumble as they fled before the tormenting george but after all this it was with no small surprise that abel found himself the object of attentions from the miller's man which bore the look of friendliness at first when george made civil speeches and invited abel to see the stones a-grinding he only felt an additional terror being convinced that mischief was meant in reality but when days and weeks went by and he wandered unmolested from floor to floor with many a kindly word from george and not a single cuff or nip the sweet-tempered abel began to feel gratitude and almost an affection for his quondam tormentor george for his part had hitherto done some violence to his own feelings by his constant refusal to allow abel to help him to sweep the mill or couple the sacks for lifting he would have been only too glad to put some of his own work on the shoulders of another had it not been for the vexatious thought that he would be giving pleasure by so doing where he only wanted to annoy and in his very unamiable disposition malice was a stronger quality 
even than idleness but now when for some reason best known to himself he wished to win abel's regard it was a slight recompense to him for restraining his love of tormenting that he got a good deal of work out of abel at odd moments when the miller was away so well did he manage this that a marked improvement in the tidiness of the round house drew some praise from his master thee'll be a sprack man yet giard said the windmiller encouragingly thee takes the broom into the corners now so i do said george unblushingly so i do but lor master lake what a man you be to notice em george's kinder demeanour towards abel began shortly after the coming of the little jan and george himself accounted for it in the following manner you do be kind to me now giarge said abel gratefully as he stood one day with the baby in his arms watching the miller's man emptying a sack of grain into the hopper i likes to see thee with that baby abel said george pausing in his work thee's a good boy abel and careful i likes to do anything for thee abel i wish i could do anything for thee giarge said abel but i be too small to help the likes of you giarge if you're small you're sprack said the miller's man thee's a good scholar too abel i'll be bound thee can read now and a poor gawney like i doesn't knows letters i can read a bit giarge said abel with pride but i've been at home a goodish while but mother says she'll send i to school again in spring if the little un gets on well and walks i wish i could read said george mournfully but time's past for me to go to school abel and who'd teach a great lummican vool like i his letters i would giarge i would cried abel his eyes sparkling with earnestness i can teach thee thy letters and by the time thee's learned all i know maybe i'll have been to school again and learned some more this was the foundation of a curious kind of friendship between abel and the miller's man on the same shelf with the vamly bible before alluded to was a real old horn-book which had belonged to the windmiller's grandmother it was simply a sheet on which the letters of the alphabet and some few words of one syllable were printed and it was protected in its frame by a transparent front of thin horn through which the letters could be read just as one sees the prints through the ground-glass of drawing-slates from this horn-book abel laboured patiently in teaching george his letters it was no light task george had all the cunning and shrewdness with which he credited himself but a denser head for any intellectual effort could hardly have been found for the seeking still they struggled on and as george went about the mill he might have been heard muttering a b c g no cuss me for vool a b c d why didn't they wop my letters into i when a uh, was a boy a b c and so persevering with an industry which he commonly kept for works of mischief one evening he brought home a newspaper from the heart of oak and when mrs lake had taken the baby he persuaded abel to come into the round house and give him a lesson abel could read so much of it that george was quite overwhelmed by his learning the bees mortal larned abel sartinly but i'll never read like thee he added despairingly 
Draddle the old witch why didn't she give i some schooling he spoke with spiteful emphasis and abel too well used to his rough language to notice the uncivil reference to his mother said with some compassion were you never sent to school then Giarge? they should has kept me there said george self-defensively i played moocher he continued by which he meant truant and then they whopped i and a went home to mother and she kept an at home the old fool well giarge thee must work hard and i'll teach thee giarge i'll teach thee said little abel proudly and by and by giarge will get a slate and i'll teach thee to write too giarge that i will george's small eyes gave a slight squint as they were apt to do when he was thinking profoundly abel said he can thee read writing my boy i think i could giarge said abel if twas pretty plain abel my boy said george after a pause with a broad sweet smile upon his voolish face go to the door and see if the wind be rising at all us mustn't forget the old mill abel with us larning sartinly not abel mun proud of the implied partnership in the care of the mill abel hastened to the outer door as he passed the inner one leading into the dwelling-room he could hear his mother crooning a strange drony old local ditty as she put the little yawn to sleep as abel went out she was singing the first verse the swallow twitters on the barn the rook is cawing on the tree and in the wood the ring-dove coos but my false love hath fled from me abel opened the door and looked out one of those small white moths known as millers went past him the night was still so utterly still that no sound of any sort whatever broke upon the ear in dead silence and loneliness stood the mill even the miller moth had gone and a cat ran in by abel's legs as if the loneliness without were too much for her the sky was grey abel went back to the round house where george was struggling to fix the candlestick securely in the wall cuss the thing he exclaimed whilst the skin of his face took a mottled hue that was the nearest approach he ever made to a blush the tallow've been a-dropping abel my boy i think twas the wind when you opened the door maybe and i've been a-trying to fix un more firmly that's all abel that's all there ain't no signs of wind said abel it's main quiet and unked too outside giarge and i do think it be like rain there was a miller moth giarge do that mean anything i can't say said george i bean't weatherwise myself abel but if there be no wind there be no work abel so us may go back to our larning look here my boy he added as abel reseated himself on the grain sack which did duty as chair of instruction and drawing as he spoke a letter forth to the light come to the candle abel and see if so be thee can read this but don't tell any one i showed it thee abel not me giarge said abel warmly and he added be it from thy young ooman giarge no rustic swain ever simpered more consciously or looked more foolish than george under this accusation as he said be quiet abel do ee she be a good scholar too said abel looking admiringly at the closely written sheet george could hardly disguise the sudden look of fury in his face but he hastily covered up the letter with his hands in such a manner as only to leave the first word 
on the page visible there was a deeply cunning reason for this clever manoeuvre george held himself to be pretty cute and he reckoned that by only showing one word at a time he could effectually prevent any attempt on abel's part to read the letter himself without giving its contents to george like many other cunning people george overreached himself the first word was beyond abel's powers though he might possibly have satisfied george's curiosity on one essential point by deciphering a name or two farther on but the clever george concluded that he had boasted beyond his ability so he put the letter away abel tried hard at the one word which george exhibited and gazed silently at it for some time with a puzzled face spell it mun spell it cried the miller's man impatiently it was a process which he had seen to succeed when a long word had puzzled his teacher in the newspaper before now m o e r mower d y k dick said abel but he looked none the wiser for the effort mower dick what be that said george peering at the word do ee think it be mower dick abel i be sure said abel or do ee think tis my dear dick suggested george anxiously and with a sort of triumph in his tone as if that were quite what he expected no no tis an o george that second letter besides twould be my dear george to thee thou knows again the look with which the miller's man favoured abel was far from pleasant but he controlled his voice to its ordinary drawl always a little slower and more simple sounding when he specially meant mischief so twould abel so twould what a fool i be to be sure but give it to i now we'll look at it another time abel i be very sorry giard said abel who had a consciousness that the miller's man was ill-pleased in spite of his civility it be so long since i was at school and it be such a queer word do ee think she can have spelt em wrong giard tis likely she have said george regaining his composure abel 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 cried the mother from the dwelling-room come to bed child good-night giard i'm main sorry to be so stupid giard said abel and off he ran mrs lake was walking up and down rocking the little jan in her arms who was wailing fretfully i be puzzled to know what ails him said mrs lake in answer to abel's questions he be quite in a way to-night but get thee to bed abel and though abel begged hard to be allowed to try his powers of soothing with the little jan mrs lake insisted upon keeping the baby herself and abel undressed and crept into the press bed he fell asleep in spite of a somewhat disturbed mind that mysterious word and george's evident displeasure worried him and he was troubled also by the unusual fretfulness of the little jan and the sound of sorrow in his baby wail his last waking thoughts were a strange mixture passing into stranger dreams the word mower dick danced before his eyes but brought no meaning with it jan's cries troubled him and with both there blended the droning of the ancient plaintive ditty which the foster mother sang over and over again as she rocked the child in her arms that wail of the babies must have in some strange manner 
recalled the first night of his arrival when abel found him wailing on the bed for the fierce eyes of the strange gentleman haunted abel's dreams but in the face of the miller's man the poor boy dreamed horribly of being dropped on by george with fierce black eyes added to the terrors of his uncouth grimaces he seemed to himself to fly blindly and vainly through the mill from his tormentor till george was driven from his thoughts by his coming suddenly upon the little jan wailing as he really did wail round whose head a miller moth was sailing slowly and singing in a human voice the swallow twitters on the barn the rook is cawing on the tree and in the wood the ring-dove coos but my false love hath fled from me like tiny pipe of wheaten straw the wren his little note doth swell and every living thing that flies of his true love doth fondly tell but i alone am left to pine and sit beneath the withy tree for truth and honesty be gone and my false love hath fled from me End of chapter six